Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast, where each week we talk with shelter employees and agents from around the country to find out what's going on, to hear the stories that might otherwise go untold, and to connect you more closely with why you are an important part of making it all happen for our customers and communities. Let's take a look at what's going on Behind the Shield. Welcome everybody to another episode. I'm your host, Douglas Jones, and alongside me is our producer, Brad Johnson. And here's a rundown of what we have in store for you. It's been 10 years since the biggest and most costly tornado in shelter's history occurred in Joplin, Missouri. We're talking today with two Springfield, Missouri branch employees that were there hours after the tornado hit and saw the process all the way through from construction to the rebuilding of a new city. As we look back at the events that happened 10 years ago, we're gonna be asking them what it was like to be there from being on the front lines of the destruction to helping people of Joplin reconstruct their lives. So let's just jump straight to our interview today. We're welcoming our guests, Springfield, Missouri branch manager, Todd Gardner and Springfield branch supervisor, Chad Stevens. Thanks for joining us today, guys. You bet. Well, before we get into talking about Joplin, let's, uh, let's just learn a little bit about you guys. So tell us what is important in your lives, uh, you know, what you do with shelter and, and, and uh, what your world is like. Chad, you want to start us off? Um, my world is claims. <laughs> I've been in the Springfield branch. Um, this area is storm prone, so pretty much majority of my time is focused on storm claims and directing storm adjusters and branch adjusters. All right. How long have you been with Shelter, Chad? I've been with the company right at 18 and a half years. All right. Very good. Todd, how about you? I've been with Shelter for 23 years. Uh, 15 of those is the manager here in Springfield, and my wife is Terry, and we have five kids and a lot of grandkids, and that those keep us really busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you guys think back to 10 years ago, so it was May 22nd, 2011, you're watching the news or hearing reports about a storm that is heading towards Joplin. Were you expecting it to be anything different than any other storm you hear forecasted? I remember watching the news that night, that Sunday evening. And of course we were getting all kinds of reports that there had been a significant EF5 tornado go right through the heart of Joplin. And we reached out to our agents in the area who we knew were right in that area. and and our adjusters and, and asked them to go assess the area. So we knew it was really bad, but um, I remember in 03, the Pierce, Pierce City tornado, which is near Joplin, I remember seeing that, and that was nothing compared to what we walked into in, in, in Joplin. I, I remember pulling into that area, uh, traffic was just barely moving, and I got out and just started walking through some neighborhoods. And at that time they were still finding uh, victims. And I, I remember walking up to an area where uh, they had just located a victim and the images of that will have always, will never leave me. It was, it was an event like I've never experienced at shelter and hope to never again. I mean, as far as you could see, there was just everything gone. It, it was really, truly devastating. Well, Chad, when you think back to, you know, the first reports you heard about the destruction, what, um, 
what were your initial conversations once you got there when you know, I'm guessing you started encountering people? Um, what were what was that like? Um, very, very intense, very, very stressful, a lot of anxiety of adjuster staff coming in, people coming in, having discussions about policy, what we're going to do, because we had a lot of challenges there with everybody losing their homes. All the rental properties were gone. Hotels were booked up from insurance companies, first responders. So it's a very intense situation pulling on site. Um, when Todd told me I was going to have to do this podcast, it kind of gave me a sick feeling because it's bringing back a lot of emotions from that time. You know, we have a lot of adjusters in that area. We have a lot of Russes and we have a lot of agents that, you know, when it happened, we didn't know how they were affected by it. We didn't know if we were down the agents and our adjusters in that area. And we didn't have communication. Um, a lot of the communication had went down. So communication was spotty with our adjusters and it created a lot of anxiety, not knowing if your staff, if your agency force is there on the ground and are they okay? I mean, that's your first instinct is are, are my people okay? And then we start addressing how do we approach this massive storm as a company and how many departments are affected by it. Um, so it brings out a lot of emotion, a lot of anxiety. You don't realize how much is there until you get years past it because living in the moment, you're just doing it. You're doing what you're taught to do and what you know how to do and not really thinking about the conversation you just had with the customer and the devastation they went through until you're looking back on those conversations. Are there any of those conversations, you know, when you, when you both first arrived there that, that really stand out to you? Yeah. I, I remember just um, talking to people as I showed up, you know, we had shelter company cars pulling into the area and people who had lost everything would see that car and come running out to the vehicle because that's their insurance company. And, and, and again, just, you know, when it, when a storm with 200 mile an hour winds comes through, some of the things you see just aren't things you would normally see in a storm. For example, vehicles just completely gone. I mean, we never did find all the vehicles that some of our customers lost in that storm. And then, you know, so we would have someone say, you know, I have, I've lost my cars. I don't even know where they are. Some of them were found in, I know, I remember there was a pond near an apartment complex that we found some vehicles, but, you know, folks were just so distraught when you, when you have a tornado, it's, it's different than a hailstorm or something. People are, you know, in the beginning, it's so important that we get in touch with them right away and kind of walk them through the process and be there for them, get, get money into some folks' hands so they can get basic necessities. Because um, it just the look on people, the emotion um, that people were dealing with of knowing they'd lost everything they had. A lot of them lost their place of employment that had been destroyed in the tornado. Um, we were meeting up with our agents uh, 
you know, we kept constant contact with our agents out there, but they lived in the community with these folks who had these losses. So they were right there with them. Many of them had damage of, you know, none of them hope fortunately lost their home, but they all still had damage. A lot of them did anyway. And they worked some long hours. Uh, and you could just see over time how the toll it took, took on them. But uh, again, I just, things that we saw in that storm, you know, you bark ripped completely off trees, you know, cars thrown through houses. I mean, it's, it literally took out a third of the town uh, going right through the middle of middle of Joplin. So uh, the survival stories you would hear from, um, from the customers just were, you know, even the ones that were lucky enough to survive, many of them knew people who didn't. And they had those stories to, to share, but you know, you, you just heard a lot of the stories of folks taking cover, um, protecting their family. Uh, I can remember in detail, you know, folks describing the sounds they would hear of the roof being ripped from their house, glass flying, things breaking, and just not knowing whether they were going to come out of it or not. And not all of them did. Wow. So, you know, when when you hear about a storm like Joplin, one of the words that you hear a lot is, you know, devastating or devastation. Um, you mentioned a few of the things like the bark on the trees or, or cars. Can 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 you describe for us, you know, particular things that you remember see, you seeing yourself, for instance, Chad? Um, yeah, it's kind of odd, but I did have a house where a baby doll, just a normal plastic baby doll was driven through the exterior of a house. Um, and the head of that baby doll was through the drywall into the bedroom. Um, and that stuck with me that that's how such a small object, that's not a hard object, now becomes a deadly weapon in this type of situation. Um, and I, I saw trees that had been spread apart and metal stuck in between those trees. We got photos of these scenarios and it just shows you the sheer force that a tornado has and the things that occur within that tornado that our eyes can't just pick up on. Um, it just shows you there's a lot of debris flying around in those storms that are causing damage outside of the path that are just outside of the area and how widespread that tornado actually was just from falling debris. One thing that's from a I grew up in Oklahoma, so chasing tornadoes, watching tornadoes, that was something we did for family fun. I joined the CRT program. I was a CRT adjuster for four years before I became a supervisor. So I was in that storm adjusting mentality, the storm chaser mentality of send me to the worst spot. I can handle it with the customers. And Joplin quickly showed me I was unqualified for what I was doing at the time. Um, because I was not prepared as a supervisor to handle the amount of fatality in, in this particular type storm and have those discussions where they know their neighbors passed away, their families passed away, and we've still got to work through the business of the insurance policy and how we're here to help you, but still not show our emotion in the stories that they're showing us or that they're telling us. 
Um, and it's hard as a supervisor to see adjusters eyes that when they come in at the end of the day of the stories they've heard and not know how to counsel them, not know how to walk them through this process and how they cope with every story is a devastating story. Um, and, and as a young supervisor, I, I had no idea that I was unqualified for what I was doing then. Um, but as years have progressed, I recognize, you know, how unqualified I was and how I've learned from that. And I've seen CRTs that were there, branch adjusters that were there, and how they've learned from that one event has how we as the company have learned from the Joplin tornado and changed how we approach some of the things in claims and how we settle losses during these type of events. That's really good. In fact, I've got a question I'll be asking you here in a little bit that, that touches on that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, looking back, you know, you, you're reaching out, you're helping families, individuals, um, you know, as, as they were in that time. Do you have any interactions with people that, that stand out in your memory? Um, not specific names of customers, but I had a lot of interactions because we had customers lined up. We were set up at a hotel and we had them lined up coming into the hotel, trying to address it, trying to give them reassurance of what comes next, that we're going to get an adjuster to you. So you get those faces in your in your mind. And later on in the storm, uh, as we've moved adjusters out and people started the rebuild, I would go out and inspect some of the properties with adjusters that were re-inspections or looking at property lines and things like that, that we had to with the city and with FEMA, that I would recognize that person. And it gave them gratitude and gave me satisfaction knowing that I saw them on the front end. I reassured them what we were going to do for them as a company, what their policy did. And I got to meet them later down the road in the rebuild process and, you know, shake their hands that we did what we promised we were going to do. We delivered what we said we would do when this event happened. Um, so I got gratification out of that from a, a, a claim standpoint. That's good. Todd, do you, do you have any specific memories of interactions? Uh, specific customers, no. I just, you know, had a lot of interactions with people through the agents and going in and seeing the agents. You know, we, we tried to put claims people in with every one of our agents just to help them out there is because they had so many people coming to them for assistance and with questions and you, know, you would hear, I mean, every time you interacted with anyone out there, you got, you, you heard a story from them and, and, you know, Chad was right when he said that as, as well, the emotional toll that took on our staff, because even though we had thousands of claims, these were not claims that you could move through quickly. I mean, it, the amount of time that our adjusters would spend on each loss, and we told them going in, you know, don't rush this process. These folks have been through something very traumatic. Take the time to listen to what they've been through, be there for them and make sure that you're accessible to them anytime they need uh, help going forward. So how long were you guys there working in Joplin after the storm? Um, for me specifically, I was activated as a, a storm captain because um, 
Todd knew that <laughs> in my branch, that is no way I was not going to be involved in the management of that storm and getting things going. So he either was going to let me go or he's going to activate me to where I had to be there. One of the two. Um, so I was fortunate that I got activated with several other supervisors. So I got to spend 22, 23 days there on site directly after the tornado hit. Yeah. Joplin being an hour away, you know, it was close enough that we could make a lot of trips out there. And we did. Um, it was really amazing every time I go out there just to see the progress, how quickly the progress was was being made. But yeah, it, it was overwhelming the amount of support and help that were sent in, uh, that our company sent in. I mean, they knew this was not an event that um, we, we wanted to be understaffed. I mean, we, we absolutely had all the help we could get. Branches across the company were sending help in, our catastrophe team. I wouldn't even ask for help and I would get additional help sent in. I mean, this was the kind of event that, you know, we have to be there. Uh, we wanted to be the first company in when that storm hit. That's something we pride ourselves on is, is being the first one into the area and staying as long as we needed to. And we were there for months and months. Adjusters did a lot of rotations. Supervisors did rotations, you know, and, and, and again, just our agents, I can't overemphasize that they lived in that community. They were in there with their people all day long and they worked some extremely long hours uh, taking care of their people. And you could just see how exhausted our agents were when we go see them. But um, the really neat thing about it is they would all tell, tell me afterwards, months later, years later, that their agencies had all grown from that event. You know, Shelter really came in um, with a strong presence, took care of our people. And that was noticed not just by our customers, but by customers of other companies. And because of that, you know, a lot of folks switched to shelter and, you know, but that's, again, that's what we're here for. When something like that happens, you hope you never see an event like that. I'd never been around an EF5 tornado. I mean, that thing was three quarters of a mile wide, right through the dead center of a town of 50 plus thousand people. I mean, it, it was just, again, I mean, you could stand in certain areas and as far as you could see, everything was gone. Everything was leveled. It was the most eerie thing I'd ever seen. And images of that will be with me forever. Well, on the other side of, of the devastation, there was the rebuilding and, and that whole process. And uh, you guys and many others from Shelter were there through that process. So, so once you turned your attention um, to rebuilding and the community was doing that, what was your experience like getting to work uh, among the community members to get them back on their feet and rebuild their homes and community? It was amazing seeing the response from all around the country. I mean, thousands of people came to Joplin from utility workers to uh, charitable organizations, and, and just going out and interacting with those folks. And, you know, I would encourage our folks, any chance they had that, you know, they could go out and spend some time doing that themselves to do it. Uh, you know, everybody's busy, uh, but that was, 
a really good way to get out and connect with people. The, the folks of Joplin were so resilient through this. I can remember talking to people that were out working countless hours helping others who had actually lost their own homes in this and were so eager to help that they were out helping other people in the community when they had nothing to go home to. I mean, it, it was just truly amazing. Um, and it, it happened quickly. I mean, within a very short period of time, you could see um, the switch where it became the recovery effort. And it, it was tough in the very beginning because you couldn't hardly move through the town. But once you could, folks could start traveling in and, and helping, uh, the amount of support was, was incredible. Were you guys aware of any, once, once the city began rebuilding, were there any particular obstacles in, in the way? I mean, obviously there was a lot of devastation, but uh, was it a pretty clean path to rebuilding or, or, or did, were there challenges along the way? Um, as far as rebuilding, there's a lot of challenges. Um, one, given Joplin's a mining community and what they weren't aware of, there's a lot of the homes that were built on top of mines. Um, and so when you have a mining community and you have these houses that have been devastated, they've got to relook at their infrastructure. Um, can we rebuild on this lot? And so there's a lot of challenges from that aspect. Uh, we ran into soil issues where they tested the soil where a house once be, had been and it had all these different things from the mining aspect. Um, so now they can't rebuild on that lot. Um, without digging out all the soil and re-examining that soil and bringing in new soil. Um, a lot of zoning occurred with the city um, on lot sizes. So where you could build a 1,500-foot house at one time, you no longer can because they rezoned it and you have to have a certain lot size. Um, so all those came into play in decision makings that, that we made with customers on paying claims and rebuilding their home at that location versus building it somewhere else. Um, you know, we approached it with the city, but the city at the time did not, was not prepared from the insurance industry, the questions that would be coming to them on whether or not customers will be allowed to rebuild. How does their septic system apply and the sewage apply in the water the soil issue. So there's a lot of challenges our customers had to go through and we did from the claim standpoint because they looked to us for answers. Um, and a lot of these things we didn't have answers for. We just worked through them as we progressed. One of them was the debris removal aspect um, where FEMA was removing the debris. Well, who picks up that charge and how does that bill come in and when do we pay it? So there's a lot of challenges just on the debris aspect of it. Another thing we saw was, you know, with close to, I believe there's around eight or 9,000 properties, uh, residences damaged, not just with shelter, but with, with all companies. And with that many um, homes needing repair, you can imagine the shortage of available contractors to come in and do that work. And contractors all over the country flooded into the area because they saw that as a as a way to come in and, and quickly make some money. So we had to really be careful with folks and tell them, you know, we're not gonna tell you who to go use, but 
use due diligence and do your research. Um, but you know, folks wanted to get their project going as quickly as possible, but there, there just were not enough contractors at that time. So, um, you know, we just told them, make sure you get someone who's licensed, insured, and, and do your research, make sure they know what they're doing before you put someone on a big project. Just curious, what, what kind of mining do they do in Joplin? Um, I think it was zinc mining back in the 1900s. Oh, so like okay. the Joplin Hospital was built on mining soils. Oh, um, okay. So that kind of come into play in the rebuild process for the Joplin Hospital. Um, can we rebuild on this? Hmm. Um, and, and that surrounding area had a lot of affected soils that they weren't allowing them to rebuild on without okay. mitigating that soil. Well, can you guys describe the mood of the community after the rebuilding phase was underway? I mean, do, you, do you have any favorite stories about from when the city began to rebuild? I, I remember, you know, of course, the high school had significant damage to it. And the sign out in front of the hospital, uh, hospital, the sign out in front of the high school that read Joplin High School, the word Joplin had lost several of its letters and only the O and P were left on it. And some folks came in and uh, modified that and added an H and E on the end of it and turned it into Hope High School. And then there were some splintered trees next to that sign and a uh, wood carver had come in and carved those into eagles, which was the mascot for Joplin. And that was really neat. I mean, that was fairly early on that that happened and that, in, in my opinion, kind of set the, set the tone for, you know, the word hope and, and how quickly, you know, that again, that community came together and, and helped each other. And, and despite a shortage of contractors and mass devastation, I mean, I was, I would drive out there at least, you know, every few weeks to at least once a month. And I would go through the same neighborhoods that I'd been through. And it was amazing the, the progress uh, that was made. I remember, uh, um, I believe it was Habitat for Humanity came in and, and did a, a series in there where they did some rebuilds on, on some homes for folks and really cool to see that, that take place and see those houses go up and, and just a lot of positive things happen really quickly. Well, thinking about what we do at Shelter, you know, we, we help people recover from storms or all kinds of losses each year. Was there anything specific about the Joplin tornado that you did differently than you normally would have? Or you kind of alluded to this a little bit, a little while ago, Chad, uh, maybe something that now you do or that we as a company do differently because of that Joplin experience? Well, I was going to say something we did differently um, I can remember that was one of our first instances of remote adjusting and how we did that is we had so many vehicles totaled that our, uh, Copart, our salvage vendor came in and set up a temporary location outside of Joplin where we were just taking vehicle vehicles we could find it. And we had underwriting, a risk underwriting specialists go and look at those vehicles for us and send photos back to some remote adjusters who handled those total losses without ever going out there or seeing the vehicles. And that was the first time I really remember remote uh, remote adjusting, which was, was different for us at that time. Chad, you, you mentioned something a little bit earlier. It sounded like 
the idea I got from you was that maybe some of the way that we handle customers in those kinds of situations may be different or, or we've learned from that experience. Yeah, I, th I think we have as a company because we recognize not every adjuster we send there knows what they're doing. Um, and, and there's instances that they're estimating a home that's a total loss or close to a total loss that they're, they're not good at describing the situation to the customer. Um, you know, one of the things we did in Joplin that we had never done before, to my knowledge, was put adjusters in agents' offices. Um, and that way, when the customer went to their agent, who they're most comfortable with, they have an adjuster right there that can describe the policy, describe how ALE works versus getting it from the agent and then going back to the adjuster discussing it. They had an adjuster in their office that was dedicated to their customers or any shelter or customer that came in um, and was qualified to make those decisions and tell them how their policy worked. Um, not to say we did a bad job in any way, but unfortunately you, you have different levels of experience in these situations. And by having those adjusters in the agent's offices, it helped tremendous to get tremendously to get the policy language relayed consistently amongst everybody. Was there anything that we learned or, or maybe influenced how we interact with customers? I mean, it, obviously they're in a really distressful situation and you know, it, it's more than, more than just adjusting a claim at that point. Right. Yeah, it is. Um, you're filling the situation. Um, you want to be curious but not too curious to get more information than they're comfortable giving you. Um, but you need to have an idea what, what took place at that property. Um, because the loss descriptions are sometimes limited. You may have a description that says wind damage to home. When you call the lady, it may be the entire home is gone. Um, you know, so you've got to fill the situation, kind of get an idea from a curiosity standpoint, what they may have went through. Um, and that changes the approach, uh, how you approach that customer, given an idea of what they went through during that event. Especially if they set, if they rode that tornado out in a the closet, they survived, but 40 houses next to them, all their neighbors didn't. You're approaching that customer in a whole different perspective than you would a wind damage claim that's 10 miles outside, outside of town. And being curious and asking those questions allows you to prepare yourself going into that. Um, you know, we, I don't know that we have specific training out there except experiencing it. Um, Joplin, you don't know how to handle Joplin until you have Joplin happen. Um, and everyone may have different components that you've got to work through as a claims department, as an adjuster, um, with the agents and with the customers. Yeah. It's good. Well, I've got one last question for both of you. When you look back at everything that happened over these last 10 years, um, you know, and even 10 years ago in this event, what are you most proud of about shelter or the work that you do? For me, it was, again, with a tornado, you know, it's so much different than like a hailstorm. 
you know, folks can be more patient and understand when they have hail damage that we'll get to them as quickly as we can. But with a tornado, we really need to be in there quickly. Um, I was so proud of our company, of how quickly we got help here. Um, our own adjusters in that area just immediately jumped in their company cars and went in to help. Um, one of the things I was most proud of is several months uh, into this process, the Department of Insurance mandated that every insurance company in the area have representatives available at one location on a Saturday just for any customers that might have questions or concerns or complaints to come in and see their representatives of their company. And, you know, I, I sent Doug Whitham, one of our property supervisors, and then there were a couple adjusters out there. We sent them to that event. They spent the day there. And I remember Shelter did not have one customer that came in there with any issues or concerns. And 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 that made us proud. Not, not that we did everything perfect on that storm because we learned so much, like Chad has said, you know, it, it was a learning process for all of us. Um, I had never experienced anything like that and, you know, could certainly learn some things I could have done differently. Uh, but it was, you know, again, just our ability to step up for our customers, be there for them and, and walk through them with them every step of that process. Uh, looking back on that really made me made me proud. And then just our agents, I can't overemphasize our agents in the area that were affected, just how hard they worked and to be there for their customers and and being there available for them on a, on, on a daily basis just really made me proud. Chad, do you have any thoughts about? Um, I was proud of Shelter. Um, Pulling into Joplin a few days afterward, going through the town, you saw a lot of insurance companies pull into town and they pulled into town with semi and massive tents to set up their claims department. Um, that's not how shelter does it. We, we have our SUVs, we're more getting feet on the ground, getting adjusters to you than we are putting a big semi out in the parking lot saying we're here. Um, why we're not the biggest company in, the impact that we had on our customer base in Joplin was huge. That made us a big, big fish in the sea in what we did. Even though we were a smaller company, we didn't pull in with all the signs and whistles. We did our thing in our hotel and we serviced our customers promptly. I mean, I was proud and honored to be part of it. That's great. Well, guys, really appreciate you coming on today and appreciate you sharing your stories with us thank you you thank bet you. well brad thanks man appreciate all the work you do on the production side of the podcast and for all of you that are listening thank you if you have any ideas about topics that you'd like to hear about on the podcast you can reach out to us at podcast at shelterinsurance.com and remember when you look for the podcast on apps like apple podcast google podcast Spotify and others. Search for Behind the Shield Shelter Insurance. Shelter is here to help people put their lives back together after devastating events like the Joplin tornado. While this is a part of our jobs, the care, empathy, 
humanity that we all possess is something that impacts people in powerful ways. It's that extra effort that we celebrate among our employees and agents. It's that kind of love expressed in practical, tangible ways that makes us who we are and makes us shelter strong.